Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 51. Many of you have asked, where have I been the last couple of weeks? Uh, and uh, the, the outreach of people wondering what has happened to me. I had an upper respiratory virus, uh, which cannot be treated with antibiotics. So I was kind of under the weather, and it really affected my voice. But I'm glad to say that I'm, I still have a little bit of it left. I'm not contagious, or else I wouldn't be in Grand Rapids. For the next couple of days, we're going to focus in on the Grand Rapids Griffins. And our first guest is defenseman from the Griffins and Red Wings, too. He's been in the red and white, and that is Joe Hickett. So let's welcome Joe to the Red and White Authority. Joe, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it should, it should be fun. I've already talked Joe's ear off, so I think he probably wants to walk out. But uh, the one thing about you is that I study this stuff. I look at players. You know, I know that you're five foot eight or whatever. I think you know that because you're always reminded of it. The first thing yeah, out of my yeah. mouth. But every time I looked at a, a Canada junior team or national team or, or players that have heart and soul, and you know, I've read about you for years, uh, and when the Red Wings signed you, I thought you were drafted by them. You were undrafted. So I guess my first question to you is, is that you're such an affable guy. You know, you're happy, you have you know, good, good guy, smiling all the time. You don't have a chip on your shoulder, right? Or do you have a chip on your shoulder? I don't know if it's a chip on my shoulder. I mean, you mentioned the size thing, and, and I've kind of learned how to, to deal with that in my own way. Um, I, I don't look at being 5'8 as a disadvantage. I look at how can I use that to my advantage. And um, you know, whether it's considered you know, having a chip on your shoulder, kind of telling everyone and, and kind of telling them and proving them wrong, but... Um, when I'm out there, it's playing with smarts, playing with speed. I think you know, that's how I've kind of got around the size that you know, everyone seems to bring up every time they talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Henrik Zetterberg told me something many years ago, and you know I'm famous for name dropping, but I but I really want to tell you this: uh, uh, a book I wrote along with Kevin Allen from USA Today called "What It Means to Be a Red Wing." Z said when he was a little boy, he realized that. You know, he eventually would grow, I guess, but he was one of the smaller players, and he had to figure out how to go into the corner, get the puck, keep the puck without getting killed. Uh, did you have to adjust that way, too? I mean, granted, he's a center and you're a defenseman, which is more, you know, like a more physical position to play, but how was it for you adapting as you knew you had the talent, you have the skill, and yet, everybody again, like people like me, focus on you being five foot eight. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different than a, a bigger defenseman. Um, I guess look like a Erickson up there, or, or Dylan Malkarath down here, or Brian Lashoff. Um, I can't go in there and and throw people around. I can't go in there and, and throw my body around and and you know use that to knock people off. I think I what I have to do is I have to check well with my stick first and foremost. I have to be able to. Um, kind of reach in and be able to get pucks you know, away from bigger guys, but also, like I alluded to earlier, um, speed and smarts. I got to be able to, to kind of, you know, maybe get them into an, an advantageous position for myself and, and be able to kind of um, uh, use, you know, all my tools, kind of my toolbox to, to my advantage. So when you were a little kid growing up and you knew you were a good hockey player, did you study the game? Were you more of a student of the game? Some kids, you know, as you keep rising up, kids are just talented and they just use their talent. Did you, because you knew if I want to keep progressing, you know, maybe I'll grow, maybe I won't, did you kind of more of a student of the game and what you needed to do as opposed to maybe somebody like, and I'll use him, like Michael Rasmussen, who's like as tall as a redwood, you know, so who probably had a few more advantages than you did coming up. I'd say study the game. I mean, I'm not the biggest guy to watch video and, and kind of do that, but um, every chance I get when I grew up in, in Kamloops, we backed onto a, an outdoor park, which got flooded every winter. So um, from the time I can remember, I'd always be out there, and you know, whether it was after school, on school days, or um, holiday break, or, or weekends, I'd be out there you know, every second of every day that I can remember during, during the winter months. So 
Um, I think that's where I kind of not only learned to love the game, but I think I, I kind of got that creative edge to me. I, I kind of learned how to the skills and, and just playing around the, with the puck out there. Um, sometimes you're alone, sometimes you're out there with 50 people, uh, younger, older, faster, slower. So you kind of learn how to adapt to every different situation. Um, just being on the ice, and I think that's kind of what, what I use to, to kind of further myself. This is kind of my ignorance, maybe. I've been to British Columbia, or I've been to Vancouver, which yeah. I love. Uh, but it seems to almost be a temperate climate compared to the rest of Canada, meaning it doesn't seem like it gets as much snow, or I know it, British Columbia does, but you know, in, in that specific area, Kamloops, I, I'm not sure about it. I mean, because we always hear about the guys from the, you know, from the prairies, you know, they're, you know, <laughs> Everybody for Halloween is the same thing because you have to wear a coat over your costume because it's so freaking cold out there. But I mean, what was it like for you? I mean, was was did you like did, did when the pond froze in September? It didn't thaw out till May, or, or 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 was it more? Did you play a lot more maybe indoors than people would assume uh, because uh, of the area you grew up in? Yeah, so uh, we're. Four hours north uh, northeast of Vancouver, um, so so we're we're up there quite a ways. So um, obviously all our club hockey was played indoor, um, just ice conditions and all that stuff. But um, the city has three or four outdoor rinks. I mean, we have an Olympic sheet uh, where we used to live. So I mean, it, it's a big sheet of ice that you know it's run by the community. Um, you go help shovel it off. You, we have like a big fire hose from a fire truck, and that's how we flood the rink. So that's kind of how it, I grew up. Um, it's it's not as cold as Saskatchewan, where you're wearing you know big winter jackets and Canada goose jackets at Halloween. But I mean, I'd say from about middle November on to end of February, you had that that block where it was frozen. And I mean, there's days where the sun hits it and it takes a beating, and some days you're you're toe-picking on cement patches, but that's how it was. When you were a kid, you didn't care about the ice, how good it was, how bad it was. What you wanted to do is you wanted to get out there. And, um, you know, I had my mom bring hot chocolate soup down because, like I said, we, we backed right onto this park. So um, you, you take breaks every 45 minutes, every hour, shovel it off. Everyone, it was a group effort. And, and you just kind of went on your way. And you had little water bottles to kind of fix the ice if you had to. But... Um, throw a cone there and skate around it. It's basically our mentality. When you play on an outdoor rink, and I know that there's parameters, people make them in their backyards and all that, uh, but you back up to a park, I mean, is it a huge ice surface? And did you develop different skills outside as you did indoors where it's a more controlled environment? Because we, we always hear every hockey player I've ever known, and I've known a lot of them, always tell me just, the rush of playing outdoors cannot be beat. What is that rush like? Why is it such a uh, exhilarating feeling? I I think just as a hockey player, just being out in the open air, um, you, you don't get. I mean, you get the natural light during the day, but you get like the big MLB ballpark lights coming on at night, and and, and I mean, you could be out there till one o'clock in the morning sometimes, and. And when you're younger, I mean, you're not having a couple of beers, but the, the older guys... Are you sure, Joe? Yeah, I, <laughs> not us young kids, but um, a couple of the older guys, like, they'd have beers in the snowbanks. Like, like when I say Olympic sheet, I, I'm talking, like, two, 210 feet by 110 feet. So, I mean, it was a big rink, and um, by the end of the night, all all the walls are covered in snow, so if a puck goes in there, you're, you might be digging around for a while, and that's when the beer cans start coming out. But... Um, <laughs> No, it, it's just something about being outdoors, I think, um, brings hockey, you know, as a king, it brings it back to kind of the roots of, of where it was um, conceived, I guess. And um, growing up, you always saw that that first hockey game was on a frozen river and who I don't know where, but you saw the people wearing toques and, and the old gloves and old skates. And um, it just brought memories back, um, not for me, but you see those pictures and it brings back like the, those memories that you've seen and um, kind of like a tradition kind of like a do. tradition yeah and I think that's what it is you're, you're, my parents did that my grandparents who are from Saskatchewan nice cold Saskatchewan um, so that's what they did that's what you know, my great grandparents did so I think it's something that's passed down in the family not only families but in every Canadian it's, it's passed down by the country and um, I really think that's kind of what 
being Canadians about it. It's going out there and and playing a pickup game. Throw your sticks to the middle and let's play hockey. When, how old were you when you first started to skate? I mean, was your were your parents? Was it you know? Was your dad said, okay, Joe, you know, you can crawl. Let's put you on some skates. I know you can't walk, but I think you can skate. I mean, how? When did it start? When did it begin for you? Uh, the first videos I saw, I think it was two years old. Really, so, two. And you, there, which you can't remember. I which I can't remember. But I've seen like homemade videos and on, on the big tapes and, and stuff. But. Yeah, I was in like a purple Teletubby little suit there. <laughs> really? I, I you sure know. you want to admit that? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's been shown before other places, so I'll say it. But um, yeah, and this is what I'm getting from my mom. But she says that you know you fell you fell down and you got back up, and you fell down and you got back up, and by the end of the day, I didn't fall down. And um, I think that just kind of my inner drive. Obviously, I think that's. I think that's proven to me that I've had it since a young age, since I was a since I was a little kid. But um, it's helped me to get where I am today. Just that inner drive of not, or, or when you're kicked down, you get back up, you brush yourself off, and you keep trying. When you, when did it kick in for you that I'm going to make a go of this? I really want to try to become a professional hockey player. Um, I'd say, I, I mean. 13, 14, you kind of, I think that's the age where you can start separating, um, you know, on, on your teams. I think it was maybe Pee Wee Triple A my second year. You see guys who who are committed, guys who aren't committed. Um, out west, we have the, the Bantam, or the uh, Western Hockey League, it's a Bantam draft. So you're drafted when you're 15. So I think that's kind of like, you you have that goal, and, and two years before, you're going, okay, let's, let's try and get to that level. And then you go into the uh, WHL camps I was drafted by the Victoria Royals, um, and you, and you kind of look around and see, okay, I, I might have a chance to, to be a player in this league. Now, that's when you reset your goal. Okay, I want to be this, make it to the next level. And here I am in the American League with um, you know one step to go, and uh, work as hard as I can every day to to get to the National Hockey League. Before you're 13 or 14, are you on? Cam Loops's, you know, peewee teams or mites. I mean, is it is it like for Americans? Yeah. They, they have a system, and then a lot of them end up trying to go to college or going into the OHL. I mean, now you know, when I was growing up, an American playing in the Canadian Hockey League was almost unheard yeah. of. Yeah. Till Mike Madano decided he was going to go up to Prince Albert. Yeah. <laughs> go go up yeah. there and then all of a sudden it kind of opened up. I mean, there were other Americans yeah. before him, uh, but anytime I can reference a, a, a player from Livonia, I will. Uh, but uh, so so you you're a little boy, you're growing up, you're just going through the system and just doing something that you loved. It, I would imagine in the beginning it doesn't occur to you that maybe I don't know. Maybe you grew up yeah. wanting to be a Canuck or so, a Vancouver Canuck. But you know that you could actually do it. You're just playing hockey, right? Yeah, it, playing hockey for me was being with your friends, and you're not at home sitting on the couch or doing chores or something like that. So <laughs> it was something just to get away and, and you can take your mind off something. But um, yeah, uh, in Kamloops, I know down here there's a Compuwares and Honey Baked and all that stuff, Little Caesars. Right. In Kamloops, we had one team, so. Uh, the, we had the top two two years, so uh, a peewee was 13-14, Bantam was 15-16, right. that type of thing. So um, Adam, so an Adam, peewee, Bantam, midgets. So first years uh, of Adam, you're on the top team, you're playing with you know that the, the top tier 96-95 uh, born uh, age group. And then as a second year, you're 96-97. And every year it alternates. So once you get the peewees, uh, um, it's basically the same group of kids you played with two years before, so uh, you get that familiarity. You might get a kid that moved in from out of town, but um, for the most part, those are your best friends growing up, and um, that's you know where hockey. Think, like you said, you don't grow up wanting to be in NHL, but um, you go out there to to be with your friends. You're going on road trips. You're staying in the hotels, and and that's where. Um, you know, you just learn to love the game. Really, you know, you're endearing yourself. I know to the Red Wing fan base, you've already talked about drinking beer <laughs> and getting out of doing work. <laughs> uh, so, so here you are. 
you know, we're growing. We're about the same height, you know, you and you and me. And, and so, you know, so you, know, you did did a coach ever pull you aside and say, "Hey, Joe, look, I mean, I think that you're, you know, you're you're a great hockey player and all that, but maybe you should concentrate on maybe something else or life after hockey or if this doesn't work out for you." Not that they discourage you, but you know, they kind of wanted to give you more of a big picture because you're so focused on wanting to become a hockey player. Um, I don't know if it was coaches. I think as a, as the coaches I had have had all played um, and, and knew kind of what hockey could could bring you. Not only um, as a career, but um, opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, played with coaches who you know got scholarships in the universities and that type of thing. So I think the coaches they they wanted you to succeed in hockey, but. They also knew that there's another door. It was my parents that pushed the, hey, let's make sure the grades stay up and, and do that type of thing. But, um, you know, I thank my parents every day for, you know, keeping me on track. I, I was able to graduate high school uh, a full year and a half early. Wow. Um, so when I was in the Washington Hockey League, I could just focus on hockey and, and try to better myself. But um, once you got into, into the point where you're playing juniors, um, I think the coaches are there to win and, and push players along. So there was no, don't worry about this. It was all hockey. Did you ever consider American University, which you, you, at all, or, or, or going that route? Because that, and, and I'm look, I don't want to get into yeah, the Canadian yeah, League yeah, versus American yeah. universities because I know that you start younger in the CHL, as you said, you you fast-tracked high school and boom. But, but I'm kind of curious because... Um, I got to know the University of Michigan program very well with Red Berenson, and there were a lot of Canadian kids on that team from, from the beginning. But when you really look at a lot of rosters, university rosters, it's a, kind of a mix between Americans and Canadians, yet it now seems Europeans, Canadians, and Americans are, are going a university route. Was that ever an option for you, or, or did you want to do that, or did you know, hey, look, you know, I'm a Victoria Royal, and boom, that's it? It was an option, but I think, you know, I look back on it, did I really want to do it? Not really. Um, I grew up um, with a Western Hockey League team in my city. Um, my dad actually lined uh, in, in the Western Hockey League. So I was around that environment. I, I knew everything about the WHL. I knew the teams, the new teams. Um, I think basically my mind was set. but. When you're 15 and, and you're asked to make this decision, it, it's tough, and um, you don't know if what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be on on a team with a good coach. You don't know if you're going to get traded to to a city that might not be all that desirable up in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan or something like that. But um, <laughs> or I, Saskatchewan's really yeah, taking a it's hit. Taking today. a hit. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did it. Blame me. Don't blame Joe. Blame me. Um, no, but I mean. When you're 50 making that decision, um, I think you kind of get your judgment gets clouded by, um, like I said, at that point, you, you kind of want, you have your goal of, of making it to, to professional ranks. And and what I believe was my best interest uh, was going to the Western Hockey League. And I was lucky enough to come in with a, a new coach in Dave Lowry, who's now the assistant in, in uh, LA with the Kings. And um, you know he taught me a lot about about the game, about kind of being a good person, and, and I think that's um, where I grew a lot. Um, you know, more off the ice was you know going away at, at like I said, 15, 16 years old, uh, moving into a billet billet situation, and and kind of learning how to live on your own. When you uh, you know so so you grow up rather quickly yeah. because you're out on your own. You're 15 years old. Uh, how about the level of hockey? When does it each, we always hear, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I asked you this question during training camp, but what's it like to play in an NHL game or against NHL competition? Faster. It's faster. Everything's faster. You know, it's time and space. Guys are on you. Like, you can't believe how quickly yeah. they're on you. Um, is, is that how it is, though, for each level you progressed? That is that how the the vetting out process goes? Is it really just comes down to obviously talent, but able to just have the speed to adapt to each different level? Um, I, I'd say yes, and um, when you're younger, no. Um, <laughs> when you're so, younger, you're just playing, yeah. right? So when, 
I talked about you know our, our club teams. Mm-hmm. Well, when the club teams are over, being like the the hockey guys, my my age group were now it was time for spring hockey. Right. So now we take the best ninety six born kids in maybe the the Thompson Okanagan, which is kind of the be like a, a county here, I guess. Right. You're you're making a county team, and you're going to play tournaments against uh, the best players from Vancouver and the best players from Vancouver. That gets to speed up. That gets to speed up, and then you do that for a couple of years, and you go back and play your play your club hockey during during the winter months, and then when you're 13 or 14, you make a Team BC out of that spring hockey team, and you're playing the Alberta teams, the Saskatchewan teams, Manitoba teams, the Toronto teams, so you kind of get weeded down in the, in the spring hockey. I think um, as a younger kid, I think the spring hockey out in BC or in Canada in general, I think spring hockey's gone down quite a bit. I think now it's just, you know, you, you want to play, but um, that's that's another topic. But Really? No, so so you mean so spring hockey used to be I, something, but now it's... I don't think it's the same as when it was when I was playing. I think now people just, I think everyone's doing, back then it was one team. Now there's three teams in camps. They're all kind of competing against each other. So it's kind of watered down? I think it's watered down spring hockey. Really? So yeah. spring hockey is watered down? That's what I think. Now, okay. <laughs> You're the authority. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, uh, so in a strange sense, it, it's very similar maybe to, an Amer- to, to the American system. But, uh, and, and you did have the, as you said, you, you know, you had a goal, you know, who yeah. knows, maybe you would have ended up in Ann Arbor and, uh, you know, played college yeah. hockey there. Great uniform. Uh, but, uh, but aside from that, yeah. Uh, here you are, you're good, you know you're good. You start making Canadian national teams. Is that where you sit down to yourself and say, look, I don't care if I'm four foot one. I mean, I'm making, I'm like, for my age group, I'm one of the best players. I mean, I'm on, I'm on my national team. Not only a national team, I'm on Canada's national team. Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, does that give you validation that, because, you know, obviously people keep looking at you and saying, well, you know, we, we, we love Hicketts, but, you know, look at him, you know? And uh, so, but once you start making these national teams, it's got to click in where you're thinking, hey, my God, I, you know, look, this is legitimate. Yeah, I mean, I got my first taste of, of Hockey Canada's national uh, program at under-17 tournament. And so that's um, uh, territory teams. BC, Alberta make one team. Uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba make a team. So there's five Canadian teams, and uh, uh, there's a US, a Finnish team. So you play this tournament, but uh, it all over the world, or is it in Canada? It, it, or does it switch? I think I think the tournament's always in Canada. I'm pretty okay. sure, but that's your first taste of the national team. That's the first time you get to to wear the leaf uh, on the front, but. Um, that that's part of the weeding out process again, and and that's your introduction. You get a chance there. I was fortunate enough to to then go on to U18, and that's when you start really um, feeling that that pride. There's only one U18 team. There's there's that Ivan Holinka team that goes right, over right. to to the Czech in in August, and that I mean in hockey Canada's terms, that's their probably their second best team that they can they can field. Not in regards to to skill and and raw talent, but um, you think Olympics is number one because you have the best players, but the the U18, that's that's a tournament where Hockey Canada gets all their best players in that age group. World Juniors, you have guys in the NHL. World Championships, you guys in the NHL playoffs. So I think that was a big validation for, for myself that Ivan Holinka team um, played in a, a U18 World Championship in, in Finland um, the following April, mm-hmm. which, which, again, every time you wear that leaf, you pull it over, there's that pride that you have. That, there's that... All the hours you spent, like doing Canada's pastime, you know, getting that tradition of playing on the outdoor rink, that's you know where it all comes to, I guess, fruition, and that's where um, all those hours you've spent, kind of training and working at the game. I think that's where, um, like you said, it, it really pays off. And then World Juniors is just that's a whole never another level. Uh, making a team, uh, I was fortunate enough to win it in Toronto and Montreal, which. I mean, is is the the height of maybe my hockey career at, at, at to this date? Obviously, playing you know first NHL game that's that's got to be up there. But um, to see the passion that 
Kane uh, Spring. That was me five, six, seven years ago, watching mm -hmm. on TV, yelling at the TV to, to skate, shoot, and, and score. So um, for me to, to, to give those moments, not only to, to me, myself, my family, uh, my friends, but I know there is th three million little 10-year-olds watching that game, and uh, it was Canada's first medal in three years and first gold medal in five. So that's, um, that's a really pat big pat on the back for me. I've always wondered, and I've asked some of the uh, uh, American players on the Red Wings about being on world junior teams or representing the, their country, and actually I've asked, you know, like every virtually every Red Wing about it, and you know, at one time in Europe, especially, uh, the goal was to, to to make their World Junior team and win gold medals, and then win the World Championships. NHL was not even an option. Obviously, NHL has always been an option for a North American player. Yet, you're making these teams. It's a weeding out process. You're feeling good. You've got the you know you've got the maple leaf on. You've got the you know the red and black uniform, and you know I mean it's you know you look. Hey, this is Canada, man. You know? And so, when you, when you when you do it that way, is there competition within that team, or do you bond with these fellas? I mean, you're you're all. I know that you have camps where you they weed out and all that. I understand yeah. all that kind of stuff. But once it's you know whatever it is, 24, 25 players that they end up you know eventually taking, is, is this a group of guys that you're still close with that you keep in contact with, or is there something that we miss as fans that you're competing every single day whether you're wearing the same jersey or not. I think when you get to that point, um, you're all friends. I mean, if I see them in a rink, I say hi. Um, you're together for two weeks. So, I mean, you get to know them, but you don't really get to know them. Um, the, the, the number one goal is there to win. There's no competition. The only competition is I'm going to be... I'm going to beat the Czechs. I'm going to beat the Americans. I'm going to beat the Russians. That that's kind of your goal as a national in the national program. But um, like I said, you see him. I saw uh, Anthony Beauvillier plays for the Islanders. I saw him down in San Jose earlier this year when when we were down on a road trip. Sat and talked to him for 15, 20 minutes, just just talking about things and and kind of remembering what we did um, with the World Junior Team. And that's what it's kind of cool is is. You you know people all over the place, right? Yeah. Right. So you're uh, you're playing your captain. You know you're all kind. You know I mean you're you're doing it. Are you then thinking to yourself, look? I mean I've proven myself at every level. Uh, do you think you know when draft time comes? Do you think I'm getting drafted? Were teams interested, or did they come back and say, Joe, hey, we love you. We love you. You know your heart and soul. We know you're a leader. You inspire your teammates. You're, you're great out on the ice, but, and then the size issue comes back again. Is, is, is that something that has plagued you throughout your career getting to, which eventually will happen, I'm predicting it right here, that you'll get to Detroit? So yeah, going to my draft year, I think obviously size was one issue. Um, I, I tore a tendon in my arm that left me out for three months, so I missed half the season. So I don't think that helped my cause in, in any way, shape, or form. Right, right. Speaking of shape, that was not a good state for myself. But um, those three months off, put on a little weight. But um, I came back for the playoffs. I thought I played well, but I think um, teams might have been scared not seeing me play for half a season and being that undersized defenseman. That that it's always been talked about. Um, so was I wanted to get drafted? Yes. Did I think I was getting drafted? I didn't really know. Um, but I talked to my coach uh, Dave Lowry. It was probably two weeks before the draft. He he called and asked how summer was going, that type of thing. And so I kind of mentioned the draft, and and he he was the first guy that said, I think you'd be better off to not get drafted. And when he when you hear that coming from. Um, almost a mentor, somebody that you look up to, it's, it's, it hits you hard and um, you're kind of rattled by it, I think, at the time. But um, looking back on it now, it might be some of the best advice he's ever given me. I had an opportunity to go to not only one team getting drafted, but I had 30 teams to kind of um, give, that could give me a shot as a free agent. And it happened that I came to Detroit that first year on a training camp on a trial basis. and. Uh, uh, left uh, an impression good enough to, to get a contract. You're thinking you're going to, 
leading up to the draft, I know Dave comes up to yeah. you and says, Joe, hey, it might be better if uh, you know you don't get drafted. Did you have contact with NHL clubs? Did you go through a process? Did you go to a combine? Uh, you know, you're on the radar. Look, yeah, when you play yeah. for Team Canada, I don't care what level. When you're playing for Team Canada, people know who you are. And so, what was that like? I mean, did, did you know? Did did these winged wheel dudes come and, and, and talk to you, or was it just out of the blue? Um, during the season, I talked to a couple teams, not a lot. Um, I didn't go through the combine process, so I wasn't in uh, Buffalo or Toronto, wherever they had it, where all the 30 teams kind of gather, and, and I've heard they put the, the kids to the ringer a little bit there. So, um, maybe I, it's better you weren't there. Yeah, yeah maybe. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know if I talked to, to the Wings before the tryout. Um, I got to the tryout, and obviously... Um, Got to, to meet uh, Ken Holland and, and Ryan Martin there and, and some of the scouts, but up until that point, um, nothing. I think it was more uh, my agents talking to some of the teams, trying to feel out if, if I could get a tryout somewhere. What, uh, who contact, did your agent contact Detroit or did Detroit contact them? Who, who, who's the go between? Who's the Red Wing guy in the organization that is the Joe Hicketts fan? <laughs> Maybe they all are, but you know what I mean? A guy who, Said, from Detroit, who said, "Listen, we we definitely, whether through your agent or through you know telling you, Joe Higgins is a guy that's on our radar." I mean, at that point, I don't know. I I'm here from my agents that Detroit's offering me a trout, and I'm not going to say no to to NHL team. So, <laughs> I guess the amateur scouting staff I can thank for for giving me kind of that feeler and and giving me an opportunity and. Um, I, I took it, I ran with it, and here I am today in that organization, what am I, four years later, five years later, and, and I, in a good spot to, to hopefully make the team one day. When you, it's the Red Wings, even four or five years ago, there's still, you know, original six franchise, uh, you know, iconic players, I mean, all you have to do is, you know, when you look at the top of their points leader, it's Gordie Howe, I mean, this is, this, you know, uh, you know, as I like to say, the Red Wings don't mess around. I mean, they you know they have they, they have some very legendary players, f franchise iconic logo, all that stuff. What, as you said, I mean, was this just the first team that said your agent calls said, "Hey, look, Detroit's interested." And you say, "Yes," or do you have other options that you wanted to look at too? I think Detroit made the most sense for me. Obviously, I think. I once my agent said Detroit, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to come. I'm not like I said, I'm not gonna say no, but I, I don't know if there's other options. I don't know. That's kind of between the agents and the, and the NHL teams. But um, for me, like you said, Detroit has that history. Gordy Howe, uh, Del Vecchio, the the logo. I think their jersey hasn't changed in however many years. It's still the, the one red stripe and, and, and the winged wheel. But um, I think they're also known for that draft develop mentality. At that point, I was undrafted. I needed to develop, obviously. So come here, come get the tools that Detroit um, implies in, into their uh, develop mentality, and and try and and improve as much as they can to hopefully make that club. And um, like I said, I'm in that position now where um, I I've came here. I've I've thought I've developed the last two well last four years basically, but two years in Grand Rapids now and. And now I feel that it's time to make that next next step and and really you know push to to make that NHL club come when, opening day. When you look at it, when you when you look at everything, you get to Detroit. Uh, one of my favorite stories is Chris Osgood. Number one, when he became a Red Wing in his first training camp and all that kind of stuff, and uh, was part of the organization or organization. Um, he. Uh, he almost threw up, like like before he even walked into the rink. The first time he was going to walk in and put on the sweater, and you know this is the NHL kind of thing. And he had a history with Ken Holland over the years, both Medicine Hat Tigers. But with, with that saying, what was it like for you that experience? Like, hey, I'm going to an NHL camp. You know, this is this is big boy camp now. This is yeah. this is real. How uh, how did you handle it? I think at first you're kind of in shock and awe. Um, my first camp, uh, Mike Babcock was still the coach. I think I was scared to breathe around him. So <laughs> hey, you, we uh, know yeah. Babs love yeah. young players. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely a, a walking on glass mentality around there. But um, no, like you said, you come into a dressing room, you got Zetterberg, you got Lindstrom's, you got all these players that you've kind of crawned while you've grown up idolizing and watching and. 
being on the West Coast, um, you may not see a lot of the Wings games, but when they are on, they're on at 4 o'clock for me, so I can watch the whole thing. I, yeah. I know what's going on. Um, so to be able to be in the same room on the same ice sheet as those guys um, was just exhilarating. It, I mean, there's nothing you can say as an 18-year-old kid. When you walk up, you know, you're playing defenseman. Nick's still there. Uh, so there's number five, like, sitting in his stall. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he's just sort of sitting there contemplating, yeah, I am really good. Whatever Nick is doing, do you have the uh, cojones or whatever that expression is to go up to him and say, hey, Nick, I got a question about the game. Or, 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 or are they approachable, or do you just stay back and try to soak in the environment? There's a lot of approachable guys, which was you know really good. I think that's kind of the the leadership core that they have with with Zetterberg, Cronwald. Guys are, are willing to kind of go other not go other way, but um, sit down with you and and have a conversation. I remember uh, my first train camp again. Uh, we're eating breakfast in in Traverse City, and uh, there's one seat left in the whole conference room, and I kind of look around, and it's. Datsuk's the last guy in line. And I'm going, I'm thinking he's going to take this chair beside me and go sit with all his buddies, but he sits down. I mean, he's broken English, yeah, but <laughs> to have a, a player of that stature and, and you know, just being Pavel Datsuk's an 18-year-old kid, to have him sit down and, and just eat at the same table, I think was, I don't know, it was, I think it showed the, the leadership of not only him, but uh, of the club, and um, it showed you know how good a people are in that lo in that dressing room. So, the, so the, the veteran players, the way the organization treats everybody, and, and one thing that's really interesting about the Red Wings, and and I think why they're successful, um, is that the style the Red Wings play, the Griffins play, and the Toledo Walleye play. Uh, it's it, it, it there is a system, there is a bond. I mean, you're even though you might be in Grand Rapids, in the mind of this organization, you are a Red Wing. Uh, do you get that feeling? I think so. I think, um, I mean, we see our player development guys, uh, uh, Horkoff and Cleary, a lot. We see um, AJM up there, GM here, Ryan Martin. We see right. him a lot. There's a lot of uh, communications. And um, being so close to Detroit, you, you just feel like you're in the mix, even though you're not, um, kind of on the day-to-day -day basis. So um, I, I think they've done a, a really good job at creating that environment where everyone's welcome, everyone feels like, their role is important uh, within the organization, and um, you know everyone feels welcomed uh, when they do come in as a as a new player, new person, um, and and they're treated you know fair and fairly and and uh, with a lot of respect. When you're you, your first training camp, can you relate that experience? What was it like for you? Uh, uh, you know, you, you you have your own pedigree, obviously. Um, but you're not drafted, even though it doesn't matter in the Red Wings. They're just looking for hockey players. You get you, you walk into a training camp. If you're good, I I don't care if they picked you up off you know like Traverse City Bay or something. You know, fishing. <laughs> Boom. You know, I mean, you you're there. Uh, you know, do, do you do you make the most of it? I mean, do, uh, or, or do you have a tendency? Do you have to tell yourself, okay, Joe, calm yourself down. Let's not try to. You know, win a job in the first ten minutes out on the ice. <laughs> I mean, there was uh, you want to get out there and you want to prove yourself, especially being undrafted. Uh, you wanted to kind of stick with the organization, but at the same time, like I said, you didn't want to go in there and, and step on toes. I didn't want to go out there and run Zetterberg or Datsuk <laughs> over on the first shift and be like, "Hey, you know who I am now?" type thing. But um, there is, I think, there is that competitive balance that you need to have in, in a training camp, and and. Um, I think my competitiveness can kind of take over, um, you know, a lot of times, especially during games. I think um, that's kind of, you know, how I got to where I am is, is being competitive and, and, you know, in my head I'm going to win every puck battle that there is, and, and that's just how I think. But um, in training camp, you, you want to you wanna make a statement, but like I said, you also have to have that respect for the guys who are there and, and knowing that draft and development mentality I knew I wasn't going to make him the first couple of years. When you're so you're there, you're out on the ice. You know everything's everything's going well. You have a bit of an abrasive style. You know you, you don't back down. You deliver body checks. I mean you play your game. You know what you, you know what your game is. Doesn't matter. You're going to go out there and play it. 
I'm kind of curious because, again, going back, do you reach out to players of your same stature? Like, do you have you had an opportunity to run into Tory Krug, who everybody in Detroit obviously compares you to, who's from Michigan, obviously with the Bruins? I know you have a different skill set, you're different players, but do you sometimes go up to a guy and say, hey, man, you know, what's it like for you? Because this is what it's like for me. I haven't really um, talked to, to anyone. I, I've watched, um, you know, I've watched Krug, uh, Jared Spurgeon uh, mm-hmm. in Minnesota, um, even a little bit of Duncan Keith. I mean, he's he's a little taller, but he's kind of got that grit to him, that, that sandpaper type game that I think, you know, I, I play with maybe even a little more than him, but... Um, I haven't really spoken to anyone. I've talked to a couple other small guys my age about things, but um, that's just, I think that's just part of, of being comfortable with knowing, um, knowing you know, the culture and the guy that you're talking to. Does it get a point where you don't want to talk about it or you tell these guys, man, I'm just, why are people so obsessed with it? I, I mean, do you, do you understand it or is it because... Yeah, you know, you know, players like you are are on teams, but when you really look at it, look at the Red Wings last draft. I think except for one guy, they were all over six feet. You know, and then you know, you you get on the ice with them. I mean, do you feel it's a? I guess it's a fair playing field, but do you just feel it's just knock it off with the talk about my size? And you can tell me to knock it off because I keep bringing <laughs> yeah, it up. Yeah. No, I mean. The thing with the size is there's nothing I can do about that. So, like I said before, i got to use my other skill sets to my advantage. Now, being a smaller player, I can't go out there and sit back like, you know, maybe a bigger defenseman can and play that um, style of game where they can kind of not, not necessarily just be out there, but they can um, get away with, you know, being a two-feet out of position because they're that right. much bigger. My game is built on kind of being that aggressive player, uh, assert myself into the game, get a couple hits early on, and, and really get the feel of the game, and then, and then use my legs after that. But um, I, I have to play with kind of an edge, being, being a smaller guy, and, and I think that's what everyone's seen so far. Did, did you, when did it dawn on you, maybe early on, that I, I have to quarterback a power play? I mean, I've got to be know what I'm doing out there and you know and I know that you know last year in Grand Rapids it started to come a little slowly but once it kicked in I know the Red Wings look at you and you know I know the one game in New Jersey I mean the, the, you, I, I think you got some power play time no. you didn't no, okay no, well yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess I was hoping yeah. you know, maybe I thought you did but 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 I'm but I'm saying that you know but, but you realize that one of the things you have going for you is you're able to quarterback a, a power play yeah, and I think that's where um, a lot of my game can be built off of. I think um, when I talk about smarts and, and and skills and speed, I think a lot of it comes from you know running the power play. Um, I got to be able to, to find that option who's open, and I got to be able to hit it quick. And and um, the other thing about running a power play is guys like one timers in different spots. So that's something that I take a lot of pride in. I know that. Player X might want it a little farther ahead of his stance in, in a one-timer situation than player Y over here. And and just, um, especially in the breakouts, reading four checks, I think that's that's a big part of my game, um, you know, as, as a quarterback of a power play. But um, like I said, just keep working down here on it, and, and hopefully when you get that chance, you can take it and run with it. And um, even in the preseason, I thought I did a really good job of running it. When you look at, and maybe that's where I saw you run the power play, was in, in, in some of the preseason games. I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I was so enamored with your parents and the trip that, that I mean, my yeah. God, it was like an odyssey for them to, to get there, to, to watch you play that game. Uh, you know, you had to go, literally, you had to go from one ocean to the, to, yeah. to the other one. I mean, it, uh, uh, you know, and they were really cool. I mean, you know, they, saw, they, 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 were, they, they were great. Um, very Canadian, very cool. But... Uh, uh, you know, and I want to ask you about that, but I, I really want to hold in on it. Okay, you're in Grand Rapids. Team's kind of playing all right. You know, you're doing okay. You know, everything's, you know. Then all of a sudden you make a trade for Dylan McElrath, uh, Red Wings do, and here's this, you know, like the Mutt and Jeff. You guys are, 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 are put together, and it clicks. It, it, it just clicked. 
uh, and you go on and win the Calder Cup. I know that Todd Nelson, the coach of the Griffins, has said many times that that McElrath trade gave our team a sense of, I don't know if it's security, that's not the right way, because you're all brave, you're all men out there. I mean, you know, I don't mean it quite like that. But that, give us a different element. Yeah, he gives you a different element. And was that an element for you when you see this dude and you're thinking, all right, does that give you a little more freedom? It gives you a little more space to, to develop. It did. And I think it, I mean, I, it being the year I kind of had my way with the other team's tough guys, and I ended up having to kind of somewhat protect myself, but. I think they knew that they were coming after a five foot eight guy. So um, when we got when we got Dylan, we were uh, we were actually on the road. We're, I think we were in Houston Airport on the way to San Antonio, and, and we got the call. And our one coach, Bruce Ramsey, who who was a fighter back in the day, he was all fired up. Me and um, Kyle Criscolo, uh, another short little guy, we were all fired up. We were watching his fight videos on YouTube, like we can do whatever we want out here now. And, and we got Dylan to come kind of take care of us, but. Um, no, he was he was a big part of our team last year, and um, he bring like I said, he brings that that big defenseman. He can he'll block shots and penalty killer, a great penalty killer. Um, he can fight and, and he can throw with the best of them, um, as we saw in those videos that we watched and we've seen live now. When you look at it, when a player like that comes in, he's a high draft pick. He Rangers, I don't know ninth, seventh overall, whatever it was. You know, high draft pick. Played a number of games in the NHL for whatever reason, it's not working out. But he comes here, and the thing that you know, because I, you know, Dylan McElrath, you know, wild child, you know, that's, a, that's what I heard. You, know, I, I knew who he was, uh, and I'm thinking, but he came here during the playoffs, and you could tell he's like kind of grown up. You know, he fights when he has to, but he's not going out like looking for it. How much off the ice did he influence you? Does he pull you aside and say, "Look, Joe, this is kind of the..." world that we've chosen let me tell you the kind of the path that I took does that help you out I mean he's been really good with that um, <coughs> another guy is Brian Lashoff's been really good at, at kind of um, maybe it's not holding your hand through things but they kind of guide you where you when you need to be guided they they'll, they'll help you off the ice um, Dylan's actually my neighbor here so um, I take care of his dog when uh, when he leaves, so I can kind of get protected on the ice. That's our little trade. Oh, really? really? <laughs> I don't know, but um, <laughs> uh, no, Dylan's been great. Uh, we kind of forged that friendship that um, I think everyone kind of has. But you know, being a deep partner, I think you have that a little bit different of a bond than than what you have with other guys. And and he's just been a good friend since he's been here. When uh, things go, you win the Calder Cup. Uh, great playoff, uh, you know, it's your first year pro, I mean first year in, you know, playing, yeah. for, playing for Grand Rapids. Um, I know winning gold medals for Team Canada may be a little bit higher than winning the Calder Cup, yet it's quite an accomplishment. What has it been like, you know, winning the Calder Cup and then, you know, this is the second championship that this city in Grand Rapids is a, it's a big town. Uh, what has it been like since uh, since you've been a Calder Cup champion in, in, in that playoff run, which was really uh, something to behold? I don't think much. Well, I mean, as a, as of defending champions, you have that target on your back on the ice. But I'd say off the ice, um, we have the same mentality every game that we had last year. We're coming to the rink. We're going to try and win every game. And, and I think that's what you have to have, especially in, in a league like this where um, call-ups, injuries to NHL teams um, can have such a big influence on on what happens down in the American Hockey League. And um, I think that uh, winning the Calder Cup has given uh, not only myself but our team uh, a sense of we know what it's like to go through this process. And yeah, we started slow uh, at, at the beginning of this year, but um, I think we in the back of our heads knew that once we kind of pulled it together and kind of got over that, that cup hangover per se, um, we were able to get rolling. And in the last couple of months, we've been playing really good hockey. And I think that's, um, you know, been, been obviously a positive for our team. When you look at uh, where you're at, you go to training camp, you're now a Calder Cup champion. And I know the Red Wings divided the teams up this year where it was essentially the Red Wings, I don't know if they deemed Del, Del Vecchio, how, whatever. Yeah. And then it was the Griffins. And then it was... You know, kind of prospects, prospects team, yeah, yeah, prospects team, and then you guys kind of switched the switched around a little bit. Um, but that training camp, 
you stuck in Detroit. I mean, you played games, and uh, I, I would imagine that it went pretty well for you, you would look at it. I thought training camp was, was really good, and I wasn't, I mean, I, I'd never played hockey at that high of a level for that long. We, I think we finished June 15th or something, so by the time you, you take a couple weeks off to to regroup and you go back to BC. Go right? back to BC. Drive back. Uh, you, you drive back? Oh yeah, I drive. It's, How long does it take you? Uh, it's about thirty-six hours. Straight over. through? Oh no, no, no. I, it, I <laughs> there. I actually did seventeen hours the first day. I got to North Dakota my first day going home. I I wanted to get home. It was it was that time, but um, coming back, it was it was over four days. But um, four yeah, days. What do you, I mean? I, you, you sightsee a little bit, or I got to Spokane the first day, which was I think, ten hours, and I did. Oh, I, so you drive through the United States? Yeah, I, I came down, so I, I did ten, twelve-hour segments for the day, like cut it off. I anything more, and it just gets boring, I guess. Especially yeah. driving through the the prairie states there in South Dakota and, and Iowa there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Only so much cornfields you can look at. But, um, <laughs> hey, wait a second. Yeah. I, mean, you, I mean, the Canadian prairies are kind of summer, right? I know. I know. I'm, so it's even yeah. colder, although yeah. it's pretty cold up there, too. Yeah. Um, but, no, like I said, you go home. I, did, I didn't really know how training camp was going to go. I, I didn't get in the gym until almost the middle of July, and then training camp's only six, seven weeks out, so um, I thought I got what I needed to get done in the gym at that point of the year, and I came to training camp, and I thought I played really well. I thought that was my best training camp um, to date, and obviously I, I think I had a chance to, to stick, and I know, you know the roster size and the cap all came into play, but um, what, I, what I really tried to do was just leave a mark that, um, you know, it's almost like a resume. You're building that resume, and that was just another page and another point to kind of put on that resume. When you you're there, uh, things are going well. What feedback do you get when they say, "Joe, you're playing"? You know, you're you're on that trajectory. I mean, you're you're definitely you've done everything we've asked. You've played very very well. You've won a championship for our organization. Uh, but what do they say to you? Is they say, "But you're going back to Grand Rapids for a little more seasoning." I think um, they just say continue to develop. Go play there. You're you're gonna play more down there. You're you're gonna get opportunities, penalty kill, power, more power play time type thing. Um, you're gonna have an increased role in regards to um, maybe playing against top top guys on other teams and, and top players in this league. So you you learn a couple more tricks, and that's when, uh, like you said, with with Dylan and, and Brian Lashoff being here, uh, Dylan McElrath, um, you can see, watch them and, and learn little tricks from them. To and if I'm going to the corner and I have a puck, how can I pop that puck out the most efficient way and move it up the ice? So um, that's why you come down here and, and you learn a couple more things and and you hope you can take that um, up to the next level when you get your chance. When uh, it, how about decision making? I mean, you know, you're a young player. I think you like to take a risk once in a while. I mean, you know, and, and I remember when they called you up, uh, listening to the, to the pregame show, it was like, you know, he's got to know when to go and when not to go. Is that the most difficult transition you're going to have to make from the AHL to the NHL? Yes. Uh, y yes. I mean, I thought I've done a, a really good job uh, the second half of this year of, of really picking my spots. I thought... Um, being the most efficient player is is I'm gonna jump into the rush to to make an odd man rush. I don't think there's a point in going to make it a three on three. It's just I think it's useless. But um, when I can jump up and make it a four on three or three on two, I'm gonna go. If if I'm gonna, if I see a puck that's if if I think I have the slightest edge over fifty fifty, I'm gonna go and get it. Now I might get burned once in one out of ten times, and that's something that. I'm going to have to deal with the consequences, but that's where I go back to I have to play with that edge. I, being undersized, being, being the little guy out there, I have to kind of take that risk and, and try and keep the puck alive. And, and that's where coming down here I can kind of, learn, kind of get that seasoning, as, as you said, and, and learn when to jump and, and pick those spots a little better. When you, you're here in Grand Rapids, you're playing, all of a sudden you get a call, and you're called up to Detroit. Now I remember Jeff Blaschel saying, "We hope it isn't, you know, 
we bring players up, if they're going to be, they're going to play. We're not yeah. going to have them ride the bench. It doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do us any good. And I hope that, you know, when Joe gets up here, that it's, you know, and he'll have a lot to say about it. He's here for a while. For whatever reason, numbers, caps go, you know, who knows. You play, you play a good game. You play in New Jersey. You play a good game. Your parents are there. The game, you know, everyone in Detroit's anticipating you to be in the lineup the next night, and you're not. You know, you go back to, uh, to Grand Rapids. Can you take us back to when you get the call, what it was like to get to New Jersey, play the game, played well. The, re the reports from everybody were Hicketts is the player, as we knew, but boom, now you're back in Grand Rapids. Yeah, so we got a call. We played here on a Saturday. I got a call Sunday morning um, from our coach Todd Nelson here, and you know, obviously just pure elation. Um, call my parents. Um, I'm like, oh, so we play New Jersey tomorrow. Um, I thought it was gonna gonna be my day off. So now I'm starting to kind of go through like, okay, what do I need? What do I need to do here? Do I, how much am I packing? Because I didn't know how long I was going up for either. I was. I knew we had all-star break coming up, so I knew that I had a chance to come back down and, right. and grab some stuff. So I packed for a couple of days, but I called my parents and said, um, Kim Brody, the um, Ken Holland's assistant, right, right. And, and help coordinate the travel and stuff to get them to New Jersey. I'm like, she's going to call you, but I think you're going to fly out today. And my dad's like, well, I'm working at three, but I think I can get you know the time off. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's, that's going to be a good thing because I think um, I, I'm – Pretty sure I'm playing tomorrow, so it'd be great to have you guys there. So, um, my mom, I think, started crying probably. Oh yeah, um, well, that's emotional. It's, it's very emotional. So, um, obviously, that was a, a great phone call to, to wake up to and have the opportunity to phone them. Um, and then it was hit the road and, and meet the team at the plane at the airport and fly to New Jersey. And um, lucky enough that I played with a couple guys down here in, in Mantha, Bertuzzi, uh, Turjan was up. So. Um, got to have dinner with them. We went uh, Uber down to downtown New York, man, uh, Times Square there. So kind of got the, the full uh, experience uh, playing in the NHL for that one day. But um, when it came game day, it was it was time to play, and I just wanted to go out there and and play my game, like he said, and, and do everything I could to help that team win. And um, whether it was hit uh, a couple block shots or or you know just making that simple first pass out of the zone to to get up the ice. Um, that's what I wanted to do, and I, did, I thought I played well. Came in the next morning, and, and that's when I found out that guys are coming off the IR, and the cap shuffle happened, and, and I was going back to Grand Rapids. Who but, tells you that? Is it uh, Blash? Bla yeah, Blash told me. So, um, like I said, it, I thought I was playing, and it turned out that I was going back down. Um, but I think it was good that it was really good that I left on a high note. It wasn't something that I, I made a, a huge mess up out on the ice and I was going down for that reason. It was, it was something out of my control. And like I said, with the height, things out of my control, I gotta, I gotta let those be, the cap, salary cap, the roster size, <coughs> that's out of my control. So I come down here and, and, and keep plugging away. When, uh, did your parents end up in Detroit? Did yeah. they go to the Red Wing game? Yeah. So I, I was, I stayed in Detroit that night to, to stay with my parents and, and take them to the airport the next morning. But um, so you, did you go, all go to the Red Wing game? Yeah, we all went to the, the, the Wings game, and and I thought it'd be cool just to. I hadn't seen the concourse of, of Little Caesars Arena, so I kind of wanted to see that and see all the, the sights and sounds, bells and whistles, um, as everyone says. But. Um, just give my parents an idea. They'd never been to Detroit either, so kind of played tour guide for the afternoon there. Well, that, that that's great. Now, um, I think there is an assumption that the Red Wings now, after the trade deadline, can call up four guys from Grand Rapids. They used it on Corot and Bertuzzi because they want them to qualify for the playoff roster, which it looks like the Griffins are going to make, obviously. Um, so there's two more call-ups. I guess the, the you know people are looking at the assumption is it's going to be you and Shvechnikov. Hopefully I said Evgeny's <laughs> name right. Um, do you not get caught up in that? Do you look forward to it? Would you be, obviously you, I guess you'd be disappointed in these last like 16, 15 games the Red Wings have that eventually somewhere down the line here before the season ends for the Red Wings regular season. Uh, against the Islanders on April 7th, I believe it is, on a Saturday, that you know you think you're going to get back up there? I mean, 
as much as you want to and and um, you try to think about it obviously it creeps in your mind but um, I've like I said it's that's out of my control and and especially right now I mean last year we were kind of we were in the playoffs this year it, it, the central division in the American League is dog fighting right and we got to be on every game so um, I think what what helps further uh, careers and, and helps development is one getting playing in important games and playing playoff games is probably the best thing you can do and um, right now it's it's a playoff mindset so I got to be ready to, to play down here and I, I can't let those distractions kind of take me off my game but um, I think you know trying to focus on on getting this team in the playoffs and helping this team win every night is, is gonna you know project me into that and in, into getting into the, into the NHL. Well, that's why you're a leader. That's why you're a captain. I mean, you know, that answer alone tells me a lot about you as a player. But let me ask you, and this is a real honest question, and uh, Mike Green doesn't get hurt, doesn't miss six games, and is out for ten days leading up to the trade deadline. Chances are is maybe he would have been moved. It was more difficult because teams, he's kind of a rental and all. I don't want to get into all that. If he's moved, don't you think that you'd be in Detroit right now? There's that possibility that you are, but again, you just can't let it. You, you, you can't, can't let, let it affect you, I right? I mean, as, as much as you you want to get that level, you can't let it affect you. And, and I'm human. I'm gonna. I I know what happened. I know he didn't get traded up to the deadline. I was I was kind of watching, seeing what was gonna happen. I mean, you want it for yourself, you know. Selfishly, you want it for yourself to, to get that opportunity to play, but um, he got hurt. It is what it is. He didn't get moved. Now I kind of got to move on. I got to put that behind me. That's something that um, I haven't really gone through a trade deadline like that before, expecting anything to happen or, or wanting to. I think obviously he's back playing now, which which is great for him, and and happy that he's back and and, and healthy. But. Um, you, like I said, right now i got to focus on helping this team win. Um, Jeff Blaschel said something interesting about you during training camp. And you got to remember when a coach is talking about a young player during training camp and w during the exhibition season or preseason, whatever they want to call it, they always temper it. You know, they always temper it. And he said, you know, Joe Hicketts has to do everything well. Every aspect of his game has to be well. He has to be excellent. And he almost, and I inferred, and I, I don't mean to put words in Blash's mouth, I kind of took that as, again, because he's five foot eight, he stands out no matter what, that he's got to be on his game every single moment. Is, is, do you agree with that assessment? I mean, when you're out there, you know, hey, look, all eyes are on me regardless if it's fair or not. I have to be super good. I agree with it. Um, obviously, you come in every game and you want to play your best game, but I also, I'm a realist too. I know you play 82 games a year, you're not going to be your your, your <laughs> A game. If you can play your A game, I think 72, like you're doing really good. You're you're elite if you can get 72. But that's something that I that's something that you learn down here. You learn how to come to the rink every day. I think. Um, Maybe in the end of November, December, I kind of got worn out. Um, and whether that was with the prolonged playoff run or, or something, uh, I don't know what it was. But I came to the rink and I didn't have the energy that I usually bring in. And I'm sure you listening here, you can tell I have that energy. Yes, kinda, you do. Um, that I bring out to the game. And uh, I kind of refound that energy after Christmas break. And, and I thought my play's kind of you know, been on the, the upslope uh, ever since then. And... Um, so yeah, I do. I have to do everything well. But like I said, <laughs> there's only so many games that you can play well without having a bit of a stinker. And th and those, that's what pro hockey is about. It's about putting those ones behind you because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. I mean, you, well, you have a great attitude. One final question. I know what your goal is, but next season. Whenever it starts, like October 3rd or 4th, who, who knows with the NHL. First game of the year, let's say you're playing the Vegas Golden Knights out in Las Vegas. You're a Red Wing, right? That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal of any hockey player. So you're, so next year, Joe Hicketts, Detroit Red Wing. Yep. <laughs> I think it's going to happen, my friend. <laughs> I really do. Well, thank you. No, I mean... I, I mean I, 
I got a lot of work to do, but I think I I'm in a position now where uh, mentally and, and physically I'm mature enough to to get that step. And like I said, I'm gonna do everything in my power to to uh, not let anything get in the way of that. Well, you know, you have a uh, a huge fan club already in Detroit, so uh, you know. Don't let your fans down. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, thanks. You're such a good sport. I really appreciate you taking yeah. time out. I know we went over, you know, a little bit over an hour here. It's great to get to know you. Uh, you know, obviously, I've known you a long time. I mean, you know, the, the, this Hicketts kid. I've always, because I always watch the World Juniors and all that. Uh, but uh, best of luck uh, with the Griffins, and uh, I really look forward to uh, to you being a Red Wing for a very, very long time. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me.